Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Benny, I can't wait to get my beet product. Your what product? Uh, my beet. Oh, your beet. Because, yeah, <laughs> I was making Me- sure you said it right. Meg's going to send me the beet. Ah, oh, yeah. I'm getting the beet. I'm excited about that, actually. Very excited about it. I'd be, too. Uh, I know. I was shocked the other day when I went in the grocery store and I saw like 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 an entire section of all these beet juice products, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I had a gag reaction because, you know, like growing up, beets were never my favorite. Yeah, it's but not for everybody, Linda, but yeah, yeah. I know. Linda loves them mm-hmm. and she's getting ready to come back out here, right? Cuz we're moving into new space. So when she comes out here, that's when I do the beet thing, right? Right. Yeah, you gotta make and her feel so, wel- welcome at home. Yes. You go strong but with it. Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. You can eat the greens to the beets, and that's really the discovery. Yeah. That's the big thing. So, you know, part of this is like discovering. You have to discover in your life. Here's where I am today. What am I gonna learn? Like today, I learned something. Right. And I've been doing this show 15 years, and I learned something. Every day I learned something doing this show. I, 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 two things I love about this, Benny. We have the best listeners on the planet, and I'm telling you, they've been coming to the tournaments, the ping pong tournaments. I've been meeting them at my ping pong tournament. But the other thing I love is that I don't think I would have ever taken the spiritual journey that I've taken uh, had I not done this show or been doing this show. And I'm very honored to be introducing you to someone I have had on the show multiple times. I probably would say that he is, I would say probably the, if not the person that has been a return E on my show more than anybody else. And the reason I think I know that is because He's a very busy person bringing messages to all of us. And I'm talking about Paul Selleck. Today, I am so thrilled to be talking with him because I have in my hand, and we're going to give two copies of this away, uh, two copies of the book Beyond the Known. Beyond the Known. And when I think about Beyond the Known, Realization, which is the first volume, Uh, It's a trilogy, so there will be more. And I go through the book, and I I try to take in, I try to take in the many, 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 many brilliant messages for our time. It's a little bit daunting. 
But let me start out with this, and then we will get into it. Quote from the book. And I'm just, it's just one little quote. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take it from the book, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk to Paul. Because when you get a sense of who Paul Selleck is, you know, spiritual channels, people know him as that. You know, breakthroughs in the work of channeling literature. You know, that might be one thing. But here's what I want to say. Delivering these messages and bringing these forward, whatever that is, whether you've attended his workshops and have been in the presence of what comes through or been on a show like this or read his books, right, especially the the one that, uh, you know, sits very close to me, uh, I Am the Word or the Book of Love and Creation, it, do- it doesn't matter. All of them are brought forth in the world at the exact right time we need to get them. And so today, the conversation with Paul is going to focus on this latest uh, channel. But here, here's what I grabbed onto today when I reread the book and opened it up. Here it is. When one, is, when one is one with God, one knows no separation. When one is one with God, one knows no separation. So what does that mean? I'm going to talk with Paul about that. I'll tell you what it means for me. What it means for me today is when I have a sense of that, that oneness, those moments many times fleeting for me. But when I have a sense of that, I am in, you know, the flow. I'm in the zone. I'm in a place of peace. I'm in a place of faith. I'm in a place of resilience and I could go on. But when I'm not, when I'm not, the idea of infinity and infinity now and the vibration and tone of the true self are more than fleeting. Paul, it's great to have you. Love the book. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, love the message. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. Um, I know you've written many books. I know you've done many workshops. I know you've been out there. But this book to me seems different. And I'm not sure what it is. I don't know why. I'll tell you, it's different in three ways. One, uh, I think it's easier to read than the others, at least for me. Maybe, maybe I've, you know, like advanced a little bit. Maybe it's easier. But I think it's totally relevant for the time we live in. And many people don't know that this is a book for, that you didn't write yesterday. But yet it's super relevant for our time. You know, what is it that, you can say about the delivery of this book now? What is the message in the timing of this? Well, you know, I don't write the books. I sit in a chair and I close my eyes and I hear a voice Mm -hmm. and I repeat what I hear. Mm -hmm. And that recording is then transcribed and the unedited transcriptions become the book. And this book was actually delivered almost yesterday. It was just about a year ago. Education <laughs> was completed, and they've since completed another book. They take about 30 days of sittings, and now they're all done in front of audiences. So the books are, are delivered 
start to finish before, you know, different groups of students and workshops or live streams. This is a book, and it is different from the other books. It's a book that is about where we can align to, to become the manifestation of who and what we truly are. And that is what exists beyond the personality. And they say we're at a time where this is an opportunity that needs to be taken because our investment in separation, one human being against the next or, you know, you know, in, in, in separation from the next or, you know, humanity against or in separation from its source needs to be addressed at this time. We really are at a turning point. So that's how I understand it. But, you know, I'm the channeler for these books. I'm not the author, and I, I do my best to try to interpret the teachings for people when I'm asked to. But truly, I'm the guy that sits in the chair, and, 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 and I'm the stenographer for these, this group that comes through me and delivers countless books. I realized I'm on your show so often because there's so many books now. This is right. the seventh in about nine years. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to be letting up on their teachings. Yeah, and I found it fascinating that this particular thing I read from the book uh, is in a chapter uh, 11. 11 is, uh, first of all, it's my birth date number, but it's been a very important number to me. It's also, you know, uh, the, the highest spiritual number. When you divide it by two, of course, it comes out to one. So I found that interesting, uh, and I'm pretty sure you didn't plan that <laughs> in that way. Um, you, you know, let's talk about a couple of things, Paul, if we could. Um, there's a comment that's, that um, was made a number of years ago, and now it's actually become an understanding. And that is everything is energy. Uh -huh. and, and I think although it's a, I, I use the word understanding loosely because I don't think we really understand, because I thought if we really understood that, we would certainly do things differently. And I want to ask you about that. How does this book speak to the fact that everything is energy? Well, it speaks to it a lot. I mean, the guides have said there is one note playing in the entire universe, and that note is in articulation or in manifestation is everything and anything we see. So there's one source. My favorite way that they speak to this is when they use the metaphor of a painting. Mm. And say, if you look at a painting, I mean, what you have is oil and pigment, you know, and it's one substance that's rendered on a canvas to depict different things. And it's the shape of the thing and the pigment used and what it resembles that creates our relationship to it and the narrative that we might impose about it. But in fact, it's all one substance playing out in different ways. And that's what they speak to source or God as. It's, it's they say, you know, it's not originally to them. It's not an original thought to them. I know that for a fact. But they say God is all things, or you know, or, or nothing at all, really. And um, you really can't have it both ways. So it's the source that informs all things, and they're bringing us to this place through these teachings of what I understand to be the re-rendering of physical manifestation, the re-articulation, the re-knowing of it. You know, the guides say everything is existing in an octave. You know, we're in a shared octave, a musical octave of, of vibration, of sound, of tone. 
and it's a collective agreement to our world. And they say, you know, every song, every piece of music can be played in multiple octaves into infinity. Just because you can't see the notes on the keyboard doesn't mean the note doesn't exist still. And what they say that they're doing is they're bringing us to the next octave, which is an awareness of source, an awareness of our unity with each other and the source of all things. Mm. You know, I, I can imagine that um, there's an experience that you have. Um, for example, I know in myself, um, this idea of doing this radio show now for 15 years, but more importantly, starting a network 10 years ago, has changed my life. But every show I do, I feel like I'm changed in some way. There's something that happens. You know, what did writing this book do for you? How did it change you or your life's experience in a way that it might even alter the future direction of your life? It's a good question. You know, I'm in a funny position with these books because mm -hmm. I really am speaking them and I'm not necessarily internalizing them. You know, the stenographer's mm -hmm. job is to render clearly the words heard. It's not necessarily to go into full agreement with them or comprehension of them. I do a pretty good job now because I have learned how to sort of sit in the background and sort of be able to pick up enough. But I remember probably a third of every lecture after it's been delivered. You know, my job is to take the dictation. It's not anything more glamorous than that. At the end of the book that preceded Realization, which was the Book of Freedom, the guides invited their readers across a threshold and into a new life. And they said, you know, at the end of that book, you know, Paul, you get to come too, which was something for me. I had heard in a reading once that my job was to hold the door open for other people. And I thought, well, that's not very interesting, and I'd rather go through myself. But what I understood at that time, if I'm interpreting it correctly, is that, you know, holding the door meant being the doorway for these books to come through. And, you know, when they said I got to come too, it did, I think, mean that I get to incorporate and integrate some of these teachings in a different way. The book Realization um, that just came out is the teaching of what they call the upper room. And it really is. And I know this because I sat in an audio, an audio booth and read the book aloud for the audio book. Um, and that's when I really got to read the book straight through. It's a really sort of direct teaching on this level of consciousness that they say that we can align to, which supports recreation or the re-knowing of the inherent divine in all manifestation. Somebody reminded me of this just the other day. Somewhere in the book they say something like, Paul, if you knew what was coming next, you would run for the hills. Mm. What came next was the next book, and it was the hardest experience I've ever been through in my life, was the delivery of the book that follows this. And what I understand now is the upper room is, you know, this octave that they bring us to is a level that we can align to. But in order to live there, in order to align to a sort of conscious agreement to maintain this high octave of experience, you got to go through some of your stuff and drop some of the stuff that's standing in the way. 
And that was my experience. So the experience of change has been for me the equivalent, and it's a metaphor that the guides use, of riding on a, on a sea voyage from one shore to another. And for me, it wasn't necessarily the most pleasant flight, you know, pleasant ride I've ever been through. And they said at a certain point, sometimes you just have to strap yourself to the mast and trust that you're going to be delivered where you need to be. And they say what's on the other shore is a higher experience of self. And I am beginning to have that experience. It's rather different. I don't quite understand it yet. It's not what I thought, and I'm not saying to anyone, you know, that I've ascended or arrived. I'm just in this other place of having been through a very odd journey through this work that I'm beginning to understand myself and my world in a, in a, in a rather different way that I can even explain just yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I picked up on and read, to, too, in the book is that, you know, it was explained, and let me just say it this way, uh, how you learn in the upper room is much easier. So that statement, how you learn in the upper room is much easier. Mm -hmm. And I would love to know more about that because the book does talk about I think it's critical to really have a conversation about that. Because I think for many of us, we don't want learning to be hard. Yeah. Right? We, we really don't. Mm -hmm. You know, it, we, we want to gain a, a, a sense of knowledge and more importantly, wisdom that can flow through us in such a very natural way that if learning is hard, then implementing must be harder. Can you talk about this idea that learning in the upper room is, for you at least, I think they're talking to, is much easier? Well, I mean, what I went through post-delivering this book was mm -hmm. many but easy. And yeah. I understand now that the process that I was undergoing was a releasing of a mask that I have used to negotiate a reality with. And that, that, you know, we've come to rely on these ideas of who we are that are really born in an agreement to separation. And as you start to release these things, you begin to have a very different experience of the self. In reference to what you're asking, they've said many times, you know, that fear isn't a great teacher, but we've been choosing to learn through it. And if we want to learn our lessons in fear, we can continue to do that. But you got to go back downstairs to do that because fear isn't present in the upper room. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I've aligned to that level of energy and, and the workshops that I do, the guides bring everybody there and we can all feel it and there's no fear. Mm -hmm. But we can have fear, but I have to go back and decide to agree to it. You know, they say that the action of fear is to claim more fear. And they say, look at every choice you've ever made because you're afraid and see what it got you. Mm -hmm. you'll see that it got you more fear. So if you're aligned at this level, I would expect you're not choosing in fear and consequently your lessons come in different ways. You know, you can learn through burning your hand on the frying pan, you know, or you can learn it in some other way. It doesn't have to be painful, but I suspect it often is because, you know, we're operating from an agreement to what has been, who we've been taught to be, and who other people should be, based on a whole lot of directives that may not have any bearing in truth. 
And in order to align to the upper room, you do have to be willing to release some of that stuff because it's going to get in the way. Mm. Um, I want to take a short break. And I, before the break, though, I, I want to read this and I'd love to chat with you about it. Um, the part of the book that I was really referring to here, uh, close, close to the same uh, conversation here as the upper room is this. If you would all take a moment and decide one thing, if you would all take a moment and decide one thing, you will have a gift in its response. And here's what it is. I may see anything and everything in a higher way. I may know anything and everything in a higher way. I may choose anything and everything in a higher way. When we come back, we're going to talk with Paul about that. And also, um, I have a copy of the book uh, to give to one of you amazing out there. Uh, let's take a short break, Benny, if we could, and uh, we'll be right back with Paul Selleck. Beyond the Known, it's the first of a trilogy, Realization. We will be right back, everyone. People often ask, what does it mean to thrive? On Thrive by Gen Radio, it means body confidence, mind fulfillment, and soul synchronicity. Create synchronicity with God and learn as Jen shares action steps and real stories that will inspire you to be unstoppable in fulfilling your purpose. Tune in live each Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com and visit JenniferZellup.com to thrive with Jen. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Then tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com every second and fourth Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go to ignite the life you deserve. Visit GetRootedRadio.com and tune in. Learn to live in the light and unveil the authentic you with a time of healing radio with me, Felistiana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in every third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as I help listeners understand sacred fusion energy and how to connect to the spirit that fuels the very life we live. Explore the journey of spiritual transcendence and ultimately discover the path to peace, love, purpose, and wholeness. For more information, visit atimeofhealing.com. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. 
It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit burnbrighttoday.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Paul Selleck is in the house. Hey, Paul, uh, let's tell folks how they can find out more about you and also about the book. Well, the book can be found at any major books seller. You can get it online, you know, at Amazon or Barnes and Noble or IndieBound. It's in the stores. Um, and I'm reachable through the website, which is paulselig.com, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. The books are available there as well. Um, and Benny, let's go ahead and give a copy of the book away. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Uh, uh, Paul, I, you know, that part that I just read from the book, right? Yeah. It, it, it's an invitation in my words, not not necessarily yours, but it, it, me- it felt like an invitation. It said, if you would all take a moment and decide one thing, you will have a gift in response. And I, I read this, you know, I may see anything and everything in a higher way. I may know anything and everything in a higher way. I may choose anything and everything in a higher way. And by the way, I've now made that little mantra for myself. Um, it sounds simple. And what we would say is if simple meant easy, we would be in another place and probably wouldn't even be talking about this. What does this come to mean for you and the message in there and the gifts they're referring to? Well, I think I think they're speaking to potential here. Mm-hmm. You know, everything can be renowned, but we tend to be operating from an agreement to history and what mm-hmm. has been, how we've interpreted reality, you know, what things mean based on how we've been taught them to mean. And what we end up doing is dragging our history into tomorrow. They say, the guides talk about the small self, which is really the personality self. And they say, the personality self knows itself through history. Its job really is to replicate the known. It doesn't have a basis for anything else. So the idea of potential, the guides I work with say, you know, nothing can be, nothing can be known until it's first agreed to as a possibility. And I think that they're inviting us here to a higher perspective. The gift of that for me is the revelation that things aren't what I thought they were, that they can indeed be made new. And that's very much a teaching of the guides. They talk about the true self knows. They say, you know, realization is knowing. The true self knows, the small self thinks. And all of those things you listed are opportunities for the true self to to claim its purview, its its vantage point, its sight, its knowing, its realization. Yeah, I, you know when when Paul, when we think about this, um, I I, I want to go to sort of a conversation I had with someone not too long ago, um, and it has to do with the state of affairs in the world. I'm just going to say that the state of affairs with the world. One of the things that um, has been said about the state of affairs in the world is that we're really in a time right now that many people, average people, could not have predicted Mm -hmm. uh, and could not even had a sense of fear about 
mm-hmm. because the times are indescribable. The mm-hmm. nature of things are indescribable. Um, would you say this is the natural evolution of things? Is it the idea that this is the storm before the calm? I don't know that it's the storm before the calm. I've heard, you know, mm-hmm. heard things about it. I've heard it's the last hurrah for fear. Fear is mm-hmm. too darndest to yeah. afraid. In the very first book, which is called I Am the Word, that was published in 2010, dictated in, you know, 2009, the guides said that humanity is at a time of reckoning. And they say a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations, and pretty much that everything that's been created in fear needs to be renown, recreated, rearticulated, I guess is the word they're using now, in a higher way. So this then becomes opportunity. But I've understood that nothing can be transformed or renown if it's hidden in the dark. You know, you can't lift what you can't see. So what we're seeing now is all of the stuff that we've been in agreement to. And by agreement, the guides mean vibratory accord, Mm -hmm. alignment with. So they said in the Book of Truth, which was, I think, the fifth book, they said, you know, imagine that you're living, your backyard has become an excavation site and things that were buried five weeks ago and 5,000 years ago are all being um, revealed and dug up. It's not pleasant, you know, who wants to look at this stuff, but nothing gets changed until it's first brought to the light. And also the backyard's gonna look like chaos for a while. If you've ever done a deep cleaning on your house, it looks worse before it gets better. So I have hope here. And the guides speak about lifting things to the upper room where they're really taking us in their teaching is pretty trippy. They say you've in some ways become the doorway to the higher octave, what they call the upper room. And by nature of your presence and the level of consciousness that you align to, you're actually able to lift what you encounter um, to a, a higher way of being. And it's a very simple teaching. They say quite simply, you know, what you damn damns you back and what you bless blesses you. And you can't change what you're damning because you move into accord with that. And the way they say to re-know anything is to go to the source of it, which is the divine that they say must be inherent at all. They say again and again, you can't lift the evil man to the upper room because you've made him evil. And therefore you've aligned to him at that level and brought yourself down to that level through doing so but to realize the inherent divine that must be there in spite of appearance is to re-know a thing. It's quite interesting when they do this stuff because you can feel it. I mean, there's there's work mm-hmm. and there's, you know, vibration that comes with the teachings. When they do it in groups, it's it's a trip. You can have, we had about two, 300 people the other night in, at an event in New York and, you know, you could feel the energy as people were claiming the inherent divine in each other. It just went through the roof. Uh, you know, one of the things that I was struck by and had, did a, I actually did a show uh, the other day on a new venue that I'm doing. Uh, it's a, a new show called Power Up Radio. And I was reading about the Christ mind, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it says that's a new teaching, right? Um, it, it, and yet it says, no, it's not. 
uh, it's the upper room and where we instruct from is yeah. the Christ mind. And, and, and that's, that's a definition, right? That's what yeah. they're referring to. Uh-huh. And yet I, I had some, an interesting conversation with somebody on the show the other day and talking about the Christ mind, Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I asked a question, and this is what I asked. I asked this question, um, and, and basically I made a statement. I said, you know, given my background, both you know, in the Catholic faith and Christianity early on and through life, it's very hard for me to understand the idea of the Christ mind in the same breath that I see children being caged mm-hmm. and no action being taken. Mm-hmm. There's a gap for me. Yeah. There's a gap. So that to me is not the upper room. That is not what's here. I want to know how we get to this place that's mentioned in the book so that we, we're not talking about it, but we're actually living it. Because, you know, in the faith that I grew up with, both Catholic and I had the opportunity to, to, to study um, other philosophies, but as a kid, Catholic and Southern Baptist with my stepmom, I didn't grow up in a sense of allowing children of any color to be caged and killed. Mm-hmm. So there's a disconnect, and I'm curious on on how this was shared that we will close that gap. Well, it's I, this is my understanding of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say this well, and I'd let the guides come in and try mm-hmm. to do it themselves, but I'm so pooped today. Yeah. I, <laughs> idea to try to channel. But this is how I understand it. You know, we have free will, and a lot of what is being created here is being created in fear. Mm-hmm. Fear is the claim of separation. It's the, this, the, the claim that one human being's life is worth less than another, which is completely ridiculous. It cannot be so, you know. So all of these, te- all of what we're seeing in division right now, in my understanding, is all an outplaying of fear. And you know, the need to control other people is again fear. You know, so the level of consciousness that the guides speak about when they talk about Christ mind is the awareness of the inherent divine that must be present in spite of all things. Now, what they're saying is it's not a teaching of passivity. It's a teaching of realization. And they say to realize the inherent divine in anyone or anything is to transform it. This does not mean that you may not be moved to go and open those cages. It's not a teaching of, well, I'm going to sit here and let God sort it out because, you know, there is a divine plan and, you know, I'm just going to go bake my cookies. That may be how you attend to this, but I understand it as a rather different act. The guides taught, you know, in the very first book, this attunement to the word and their definition of the word was the energy of the creator in action as who and what you are. And if you look at the books progressively, they do take on social action more and more. So it's not a teaching of, you know, making things pretty or spiritual bypassing, but to realize the inherent divine, they say, in anyone or anything is to re-know it, to reclaim it. It's the old teaching, which is a Christian teaching of behold, mm-hmm. make all things new. Yeah. It's 
the personality that does it. It's the true self. But the guides teach now, and it's the book that follows realization, which is called Alchemy, when they're really talking about how matter is renowned and reclaimed through the level of consciousness that aligns to the inherent divine that must be present in it as it anyway. So that's my understanding. I completely agree with the distortion of any teaching or religion that would say that it's okay to put children in cages. It's, it's, it's insanity. Well, I think in the book, Paul, I mean, you say it in a million ways in this book. That's why I've, re I've read the book twice. You know, I mean, one of the lines is now everything is God already. <laughs> but if everything is God already, right, what the heck are we doing putting people in cages? We're denying God. That's yeah. what we're doing by that. The teaching, the biggest, the, the biggest thing, the refrain that I've been getting from the guys in the last year has been that the only real problem that humanity has is the, the, the denial of God, the denial of the divine. You don't kill what you know to be holy. You don't damn what is of God. You transform it. You love it. You re-know it. You transform it. You know, so what you're seeing and what I'm seeing is an outpicturing of low consciousness. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. You don't fix low consciousness by going to that low level and trying to battle with it. The guides say you have to lift it to the higher. The example that they've given or one of them has been, you know, we've been living on a planet for so long with war that we expect to see it everywhere. And consequently, we're going to keep having it and keep claiming it until we perhaps do ourselves in. But in order to, in order to change this, we have to lift to a level of consciousness where war is not a possibility. And that is not done at the low level. You have to lift to the level where that isn't a possibility, where it makes no sense. If you're yes. not operating from fear, it begins to make great sense because war, again, is an outpicturing of fear. What else could it be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think we get confused, Paul. And, you know, I want to I want to talk about this because here's the confusion I think we have or maybe I'm projecting, but let me do it anyway. I think the confusion is between war and protest, right? And so what, what I mean by that is, and, and, you know, this is said in the book, I can't remember exactly where, but, you know, the idea of coming in freedom, the idea of coming in joy, the idea of coming in willingness, the idea of coming in allowance, and, you know, and I think the, uh, the other, it's a road before, the idea of doing that doesn't exempt us from taking action in the face of things that would go against a higher vibration or higher order. And, 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 you know, that's what I, what I'm looking at here when I think about this and what the call to action is that I'm taking from this book. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is this, it, it, even when you look at all the scriptures from a variety of religions or, or spiritual philosophies or practices, they kind of all come to one thing. Faith without work is dead faith without works is dead. And so what I want to ask you about in that realm is, well, it's great that for years we have seen philosophies about higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. At some point, don't we have to do something? We have to do something anyway. It's not at some point. I, mean, <laughs> I know. Explicit yeah. about this. They say, you know, yeah. 
if you're walking down the street and you see two people fighting and are positioned to stop the fight, stop the fight. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's that simple. It's, you know, what the guides say is that we collectively are in accord with everything we see. And accord means vibrational accord. It's that if we can see it, we're in participation to its existence because our consciousness is informing it. How consciousness informs what we see is part of the issue here. To lift something, if you think that just lifting something is passive and that it has to be done with your fists, you're operating in a different paradigm. It's not at the exclusion of your fists, but re-knowing something is seeing in its, in its higher potential, which isn't about reinforcing what doesn't work, which yeah. is mostly a lot of what we end up doing, which is why we end up repeating the same problems again and again and again. I just asked the guides if I could go to this, and I just heard if you wish. So it may be a risky data channel, but they're saying they'll do it anyway. So... Let me just ask about the passivity question. It's not passivity. They're saying it's not about passivity. It's about knowing your worth. It's about knowing your worth and your inherent act and your inherent act to support the worth of others, to support the worth of others. Not worth any human being. To deny the worth in any human being is not the divine as them, is to deny the divine as them. If you're not feeding the poor, if you are not feeding the poor, you are denying the poor their worth. You are denying the poor their worth. You're not standing in voice. If you are not standing in voice, to agree to agree to a new possibility to a new possibility of how humanity may know itself you are agreeing to the old you are agreeing to the old or confirming reality or confirming a reality of separation of separation you have opportunities you have opportunities at every level of agreement in consciousness in consciousness to re-know your brother or sister, to re-know your brother or sister, to lift one to the upper room, to lift one to the upper room, Mr. Velasquez, is to realize who he or she truly is. This is significant. This is significant. It reclaims them in a higher way. It reclaims them in a higher way outside of the mask they have worn, outside of the mask they have worn or the despair they find themselves in or the despair they find themselves in. But this does not mean, but this does not mean that you don't act on their behalf in practical ways, in practical ways, as you are called to, as you are called to, period, period, period. Yes, and, yeah. And let me ask this question because I'm, I, you know, look. It, it, one of the things that's being said here is divine self is never a victim, right? Has no need to blame. Doesn't seek to self-justify. She has every opportunity to realize, you know, the one she could blame, be angry with, is a true self, and that can only be in a higher room. And what I love about this is where we, I think, as a society, is very confused that we don't really quite understand that we can take action without anger, that we can take action and not see ourselves as a victim, you know, that we can take action and not blame. And yet at the same time, we are seriously immobilized on multiple levels. And, and I rarely in the show talk about a collective, but there's a collective energy of immobilization. 
as if we are waiting for that one person, maybe the Messiah, maybe that one person to step forward and do something, maybe something so profound, so energetically opposed to what the norm is. We're waiting for that person to come forward and do something as if we do not have the energy or the wherewithal or the knowledge or the higher self or the upper room to do that. How do we stop waiting? I don't even know where that came from. It's choice. It's it's agreement to what exists beyond to what exists beyond the known. If you want the if you want the known, you can keep having it or something like until there is no more known to have or you can claim the higher or you can claim the higher. Move into agreement to it or not. It will not be one human being agreement. It will be the multitude and a new voice and a new voice saying, I have come saying, I have come, the divine as you, the divine as you, I have come, I have come, is who makes that announcement, is who makes that announcement. It's the work we do. It is the work we do. It is our authority to teach this. It is our authority to teach this. And we will continue to, as we are allowed, as we are allowed the voice, the voice to use to do so, to do, the voice to use to do so, period. Mm -hmm. So that's where they're going, that it's all of us. It's always been the teaching. Yeah. I love this too, because one of the things that I really grabbed onto and really introspectively looking at myself is the belief that most of you have is that you will maintain the upper octave and have it the upper room as long as the things are going your way. But we are in a in a state right now where multiple frequencies, multiple vibrations, up, down, sideways, inside, outside. And we're falling back on the notion of I'm confused. I'm confused. I'm, I'm not quite sure how we can be confused about what we're doing to the planet or be confused about, you know, the latest Twitter to shoot a nuclear bomb into a hurricane. I don't understand what the confusion's about, about and struggle, you know, as myself, even with what I do on air, struggle with myself in a way that says, what am I to do? How, how might I do more? And I wonder what it takes for us to ask that question and say, how might I do more and look at going in this higher octave to create the kind of change we really do need? I mean, I'll, I'll ask, you know, and mm-hmm. I, you know, when I channel, I whisper the words and repeat, which is why it sounds so nuts coming out of my mouth, but it's just the way it happens. Sounds good to me. Just see what, what we, what do we do to, to wake up from our inertia. That's it. They're saying the inertia is complacency. It's it's the agreement to the old. Someone else will take out the garbage. Someone else will feed the poor. Somebody else will problem. Somebody else will remedy this problem. When government fails, when a government fails, when a religion fails, when a religion fails, when banks fail. When banks fail, the resting place you've come to, the resting place you've come to, the docile nature you've adapted, the docile nature you've adapted is not only disruptive, is not only disruptive, you are forced to see what you've created, you are forced to see what you've created through your agreement to the old. You don't know that you're in agreement. You don't know that you are in agreement to the man or woman who starves, to the man or woman who starves and contributing to their starvation through this 
through this inertia. You don't understand. You don't understand that you are choosing these things, that you are choosing these things to stay unaware, to stay unaware because they give you things you have, because they give you what you think you should have, which is separation, which is separation until you realize until you realize that you are one race, that you are one race, one human race, one human race, and all living things, and that all living things on this plane of expression, on this plane of expression, have a right to live and live well, have a right to live and live well. You will continue on this path of shared destruction, of shared destruction by nature of inertia, by nature of inertia, but as the banks fail, but as the banks fail, as religions fall, as religions fall, as governments fold as governments fold you know will be known the new will be known it's not a requirement it is not a requirement to have disaster to have disaster to change to change but sometimes the one who is sleeping but sometimes the one who is sleeping requires a loud noise requires mm -hmm. a loud noise to be awakened to be awakened from her sleep from her sleep period mm -hmm. period yeah i uh you know, I'm just trying to think to myself, Paul, and, you know, as I really look at the book, and for those of you just tuning in, I want to make sure you know I'm talking to Paul Selleck today, and we're talking about his latest book, Beyond the Known Realization. It's a channel text, and you all have just heard some of what that sounds like and the importance of that. And the book is written in that way. It's very direct and very clear, Paul. Um, in a in a in a large sense, yet at the same time, it's a tall glass of water for mm -hmm. people. Um, but yet, it's a tall glass of water that we really need to figure out how to drink. Um, and there are three uh, books. This is a trilogy, correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Benny, did we give away the second book yet? It's not out yet. Oh, the uh, second no, the second copy. Uh, yeah, we already gave them both away. Thank you, Benny. Um, you know, Paul, let's talk about this. This is the first of three. Yeah. Um, and uh, my mom used to say great things come in three. Don't know where she got that from. Uh, but the three books that are coming forward, what do you see the impact possibility of them? I don't know. You know, I just literally sit in a chair and take the mm -hmm. decision. What I've noticed in this last year is that a lot of young people are coming to this work. Um, I would say in this group, you know, when I look at the workshops, they're getting younger when we do free events or evening events, you know, three quarters of the room will be under under 30. And that's exciting because for a long time, the people that would come to these, you know, these sessions were, were my age and I'm in my 50s. Um, so I'm, I'm excited that the work is being discovered. And I think part of what's doing that is that, you know, the energy is pretty tangible for people. They're having their own experience with this stuff. And, you know, the good news is people don't need to have me around to have the experience. The books themselves are, are attunements. Yeah. To to the reader's vibration so mm -hmm. so i have hope but you know it's at this level it's not my book yeah it's just yeah not. yeah i think at this level it's all of our books it belongs to all of us at I, this level yeah i i really do because the messages that are being brought forth in it are really for us you know they are really calls to the, the, the in, of course they're insights 
but I didn't read this book as insight. And I think I've read some of your other books as insight. I really read this book as various calls to action on our part, something significant for us to change, you know, a realization um, that perhaps we do have to come to that the ball is truly in our court. Uh, You know, I'm reflecting on this and I go back uh, in time and I'm reading the book as if I read it in my 20s and experience what I was going through in my 20s. Uh, And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, taking an action, burning a bra down at Atlantic City, right? Marchings on the streets in New York, whether it be for, you know, women's rights, gay rights, stop the war in Vietnam, you you name it. But the masses of people that were engaged in that way I don't know if we'll ever return to that because we have this new thing called social media. But in any event, this book and, you know, what you brought forth through yourself is more than insightful. But the takeaway that I want to kind of end with and ask you if you could please give us a personal message Mm -hmm. is on one of the pages very simply said, trust yourselves, trust yourselves. Paul, thank you for this. I'd like to ask you one more time, uh, web, website, please. Um, what's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Well, the website's, you know, Paul at Paul Sell. Actually, it's paulselling.com. Mm-hmm. Let me go. I'm going to go to the guides for the message. Um, okay. They're saying we want to say two things. You decide yourself. You decide yourself how to express yourself how to express in your world, if you align to your true self, if you align to your true self, it indeed becomes your expression. It indeed becomes your expression with a true encounter, and you lift what you encounter to its true nature, to its true nature, the second thing we wish to say. The second thing we wish to say, it's not for it sounds, is it is not as hard as it sounds, but you require willingness, but you require willingness to know yourself, to know yourself beyond history, beyond history. We will support in this. We will support in this, as indeed we are allowed, as indeed we are allowed. We know who you are. We know who you are. We know what you are. We know what you are. We know how you serve. We know how you serve, period. And I'm saying period. Mm. Thank you, Paul. And thank you. Thank you to the guides for that message. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. Uh, Benny, thank you for pushing all the right buttons. And thank you for being the best listening audience on the planet. We'll see you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.